Welcome to Personally Speaking, Handsomes, the show where your friends tell true stories and dance around the edges of vulnerability together. I'm your host, Christiana Morganlaw, and you are my favorite person to talk to. We just passed Valentine's Day, which is coincidentally the best day of the year to be a single receptionist. Um, 9 a.m. in the morning, first thing before I even had my coffee. Ah! A bouquet for an equally intelligent and far more beautiful co-worker. By noon, I was just overhanding him. You know, just like, um, hi, is there, is there a delivery here for me? I'm not sure, but there is a pile of dirt I have traced my initials into. Let me go check in the back. In this month's edition, we'll, you'll hear from your friends on the subject of secrets, to which I am no stranger. First, Danny Fernandez will tell you no less than ten of her secrets, my favorite of which is just someone's name. Jenny Tao reveals that sometimes friends can be jerks in a story about a girl colloquially known as Blowjob Jean. And Courtney Rundell talks about one of my favorite subjects, which is the weird intimacy of young friendship and the first hint of love for another girl, which of course manifests itself as simultaneously masturbating to videos of George Michael. We lost two performers to the rain on this particular edition, so I round out the show with a tale about the time I tried to hide a house party from my mother, and coincidentally, that was also the year that I first got a Twitter, so interesting story there. I've told it once before when Personally Speaking was in the living room, and personally, I consider it a classic in my personal lore. We had some great letters this month, chiefly from Texas and California. Danielle in Dallas writes, This show is Fred and George in a time when Voldemort has returned. The hyperbole and the compliment of that is not lost on us, Danielle. Thank you for understanding how to use fiction. Wade, a professor in Moorpark, has added personally speaking to a list of narrative podcasts his students can write about for an assignment, which is terrifying. Shaping young minds out here, all right. Without further ado... Here's volume 13 of Personally Speaking. Without any further ado, please welcome your hostess with the mostest. It is Christiana Morgan never been to this show before. How dare you? How dare you? Um, guys, welcome to my living room. Welcome to my living room. Um, it's a studio. Um, could use a little redecorating. I'm in the process, but it's got good bones. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this show started in the living room. It started in a living room uh, in a house over in Little Armenia. Uh, I was making more money then and decided to inexplicably move into a much more expensive apartment uh, because I wanted to have depression and sex in privacy. <laughs> so I got a venue. In defiance of the Lord, I got a venue. 
Uh, we're going to talk about secrets tonight. We're going to talk about secrets you keep from yourself, secrets you keep from other people, and the kind of secrets that, like I'm sure all of us do, um, that we would never confess to people we actually love and care about, but are delighted to share on stage in front of a faceless crowd. Um, I, I don't know. I've already got like three secrets on me right now. There's one right here, one right here, one right here. I like, uh, I like maintaining hair between my legs. It uh, partially, partially just because uh, I like maintaining an air of mystery. Uh, partially because I don't like, you know, crying in my bathtub eight hours after I've shaved myself. Um, anyone who is familiar with the feeling will know. But mostly it's just like I like maintaining that air of mystery. Like I, as a woman who tragically sleeps with men... Uh, I I want them for all they know. Like for all they know, I want to maintain the idea that there's there could be a person there. Okay, I could be keeping like my cell phone, my wallet. Currently, my cell phone's on stage, so don't worry about that. My wallet, my keys in there, old receipts from Target. Like like somehow maintaining the idea that like I'm ever going to return something I purchased at Target. Really clinging to that idea. Um, maybe even like a chapstick, chapstick tube with like two centimeters left. That's all that could be in there for all they know. Um, those are those are fun kind of secrets. Um, there are also there's good secrets and then there's bad secrets. Uh, good secrets are like, you know, sometimes when I go to Starbucks, I give the coffee person. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the barista. I give the barista a name that they can pronounce that sounds like mine, but isn't. <laughs> and then there are secrets, like the mayor of L.A. saying that Los Angeles is going to be a sanctuary city for immigrants and then deploying ICE checkpoints throughout the city. <laughs> Delightful. Charming. Charming Garcetti. I know I can't trust a man to play saxophone. I don't know why I thought that was... He was going to be a cool mayor. He had, like, a house in the hills... They promised us. And tonight, all over the city, there are checkpoints, I shit you not, that are combining DUI checkpoints with immigration checkpoints, which is like the tackiest pairing I've heard of since the combination Pizza Hut Taco Bell. That's disgusting. You're also, first of all, you're like, you're going to wipe out pretty much all of the city's population with that checkpoint. First of all, DUIs wipe out half the actors. Then, with the ICE checkpoints, you're going to wipe out everybody who has a real job. We're, gonna, we're not going to have any left in, L- in Los Angeles sooner or later. It's just going to be gone. I, uh, oh, I'm getting so many texts. Oh, yeah, I know, Renee, sorry, you're late. I know you're sorry. It's okay. Um, it's, she's going to walk in, and I'm just going to give her a look if I can even see her from here. But I don't know. I just, okay, okay. Let's, let's focus. Let's center back to the show. Clap your hands if you have been to the show before. Make some noise if you've been to Personally Speaking before. Four of you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, Fervent fans, those four, though. Um, I I started the show in the belief that your friends tell the best stories. Anytime your friend starts a sentence with, do you remember that time that we, whatever they fill in the blank with, is about as funny as most of the shows I've been to, and definitely funnier than all the improv classes I've ever been to. And I don't know, if, if, if we were to put together three rules, what we put together at the beginning of top of the show that I introduced you guys to this idea, simply that there are three rules. One, stories, secrets, what have yous, long, complicated monologues should be no longer than 10 minutes. 
No less than five, but no longer than ten. I can't really stand trying to maintain the illusion that I don't want to exit a conversation for more than ten minutes. And I don't expect any more from my precious audience. Second of all, second of all, um, there's a sense that, there's a sense that um, stories have to be true. Places like The Moth, they're all about the true stories, the, the truth in humanity, the things we search for, etc. Like NPR voices are supposed to somehow be true. I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. Um, too soothing to be true. Um, but the whole idea there is that it's all true. What we say, what we like to say at the show is that stories just have to be true to the best of your perspective. You're going to allow the people on this stage who are trying their very hardest to make you love them in 10 minutes or less the belief that their heroes are your heroes and their villains are your villains. Finally, we have the simplest and most important rule of all, lead with the funny. I don't care if you want to get up here and talk about how your secret is that you like take all your boogers and wipe them on the surfaces of your friends' houses or something like that. That's fine, so long as you can make it funny. My personal favorite is the fact that I just, I just tend to find most suicide attempts hilarious. Because by default, an attempt means that it failed. And failure is always funny. So basically what we're going to do tonight, we're going to present a bunch of interesting people. You're going to love them. Uh, one of them, delightfully, was in a car accident tonight. Before you guys gasp, it's not serious. It's just serious enough that she was able to message me like 40 minutes before the show and tell me that like a fifth of my show is gone. It's fine. We're going to get through it together and we're going to pull out some surprises for you guys anyway. So what I would love for you to do is give the warmest welcome that you possibly can before I go back to talking about myself and my life to Danny Fernandez. Put your hands together. Hey guys. Hello everyone. Um, I'm ready. I understand that this is a storytelling show and that stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, I don't have that here. Uh, I didn't feel like my secrets really fit into that. Like, I didn't want to be kept in a box by you guys. So I made a list of all of my secrets, um, or at least 10 that I could think of before this show started. So I'm going to read those for y'all now. And I'm going to take my sweet time. Um, first, secret number one. I always knew I was weird. When I was little, everyone in my class, all the girls in my class had a crush on Aladdin or Prince Eric from A Little Mermaid. I had a crush on the skeleton from A Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Jack Skellington, yeah. I had a crush on a fictional dead man with no organs, okay? And I guess it, it kind of makes sense because I'm dating a really skinny white guy now. So, um, Also, just a side note to all the little girls that gave me shit that liked Prince Eric. He is the ultimate fuck boy. <laughs> Who goes on a date and talks about themselves the entire time when your date doesn't respond? Seriously. Like, and you play a flute. That's basically like a magical vape pen. <laughs> Secret number two. <laughs> this is, I found out that calling my older boyfriend daddy in bed 
is sexy. But calling him dad costs like four grand in therapy. (laughs) People think that dating in your teen years is awkward. People think their teen years are awkward. No, your 20s and your 30s are awkward. Why? Because you probably have nudes on your phone, right? But like, also the Lion King soundtrack? Seriously, I have you porn in all of Pocahontas. I don't think that they should go together. Okay. Secret number three. I got married when I was super young because I'm an idiot. I got divorced when I was super young because I'm a failure. But here's the crazy thing. My parents did nothing to stop me from getting married. They didn't even try and warn me. I feel like my whole family got together and were like, shh, nobody tell her. This is his problem now. (laughs) And even though I got married really young, I never got pregnant. We never wanted kids. Uh, So I feel like we're smarter than literally every single person on Facebook. My classmates are having so many kids. I feel like they're getting ready for some war that I don't know about. (laughs) Also, does it bother? Like, I hate that they say their kid was an accident. Like, I hate that. Like, little Johnny was an accident. Like, getting bangs is an accident. That's a child. (laughs) Secret number four. My grandfather's name is Fernando. Fernando Fernandez. Secret number five. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not making this up. My my family is super Catholic. They're Irish Catholic and they're Latin Catholic. So like they're the Holy Trinity of Catholicism. They're so Catholic. My mom told me to stop watching scary movies because, and I quote, I'm inviting the demons in. Yeah, that is my mother. They, uh, my family's very, they can be very self-righteous. They're Christian. Um, They're anti-abortion because it kills lives. Kind of like the Christians during the Crusades. Or rejecting refugees. That was a truth bomb, you guys. (laughs) And a stab at my family who's not here. Please play this for them later. Um, Secret number five. I took a what Star Wars character are you quiz and got Jar Jar Beaks. (laughs) Secret number six, I'm super poor. Okay, I don't feel like that's a secret. Um, It's going into, does anyone else here still have all of their student loans? Does anyone? I'm just not going to pay them. What, What can they do? Like I... I, like, I feel like my student loan collector is the only guy that still calls me. And I love giving him a hard time. He'll call me and I'm just like, you have to stop. I don't know who gave you my number, but I don't like you. You're hella thirsty. Try it sometime. I love it. Secret number seven. Um, I host a few anime shows on a couple nerd channels like Hyper RPG and Geek and Sundry. Um, anime fans 
make me not like anime. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? Given their long-standing positive reputation on Twitter. I actually have anime characters tattooed on my arm, but apparently I'm a fake-ass cunt, according to the 15-year-old boys that write on all of my YouTube videos. I did this just for a man. I got this tattooed on my body because I'm fake. Not because 10-year-old Danny used to go to Comic-Con in San Diego before it was cool and before Hugh Jackman went, and I would take my little anime DVD and get the Dragon Ball Z voice actors to sign it for me. No, I did this for a man because I'm fake. That's a secret. (laughs) Secret number eight. Uh, I have Hashimoto's. It's an autoimmune disorder where your antibodies attack your thyroid. I personally love it because Hashimoto's is like the most anime sounding autoimmune (laughs) disorder. Okay, secret number eight. I feel like I relate to Christiana. I tried to kill myself. I tried to commit suicide. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. Can you imagine sucking at everything in your life, trying to kill yourself, and finding out you suck at that too? Like, I thought I was bad at math. And yeah, it was, it, it was, I know what you guys are thinking. I know when you hear, oh my gosh, try to kill herself. It didn't work. Is she immortal? <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't say that I'm not. Like, maybe we could check in 300 years or something. It's possible. Um, and then number 10. My secret number 10 was, I was, two months ago, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. Yeah. I know what's going on here. Clearly, someone has a voodoo doll of me. Okay? Like, can you imagine the karma that I have? This is terrifying. This means that I have killed a man in my sleep, and I didn't know about it. Like, how, do, how, does, how does someone like me get this karma? But I will say I do have good news to end on, and that is that I am fantastic in bed. I am, I am so good at sex. You want to know why? My boyfriend has had to take me to an MRI. I've thrown up in his car. He's had to help me do an enema. The man stuck around. Why? I am, I'm gonna, you guys, if at the rate I'm going and I die a couple in a couple of years, I will die knowing I was fantastic in bed. Why is this man staying with me? I am, I am, I am amazing in bed. And um, yeah, that's, that's my final secret. That's all I got. Thanks, guys. For those of you who are late, who just walked in, some topics we've covered so far. Uh, my pubic hair, uh, DUIs in Los Angeles, um, somehow deciding to be paired like wine and cheese with immigration checkpoints, uh, and Mayor Garcetti plays saxophone. That's weird to me. Um, uh, we've also covered good secrets and bad secrets. Uh, a good secret being, like, like, good secret would be i uh, got to do that comedian voice. Like, a good secret would be, um, like, when, I, when I'm in my car alone and I turn the volume up high enough to cover the sound of my own voice, it seems like I can hit all the high notes in Wicked. <laughs> a bad secret is, like, 
I collaborated with Russia in order to rig the election. I'm also, I'm also like as qualified for public office as a hangry toddler. Good secrets and bad secrets, folks. Um, I want to just, I, I sometimes do this, I sometimes don't. I usually like try to say that I do stand-up and they do the stories. Uh, I just want to jump into a story tonight uh, about probably the coolest I've ever been in the traditional sense. Uh, have not been able to hit that high mark of late high school since since then. But this was also one of the biggest secrets that I thought I would get away with. So let's just let's just begin by establishing establishing the cast of characters. First of all, myself, the year 2011, one year, one year after uh, after graduating high school. Sorry to those of you who are old and I'm now feeling old. Um, you are old. Uh, bummer. But the thing being here, um, 2011, hashtag send tenures, I had just graduated from high school, was, uh, was very eager to prove myself, something which has not changed. And I decided that, um, that I, I, like, it was, it was the end of summer, like, so many kids were, you know, returning from their first year at the dream community colleges that they had gone to, um, study abroad sessions in Northridge, um, and some of them were even on the verge of their own DUIs. It was really, it was a beautiful time. So what I decided to do uh, was I wanted to throw a party. Um, I had, at that point, um, no intention of, of, doing so, uh, of doing so in a cool way. Um, but what I, what I thought was my mom, my mother, who the, is the other main player in this cast of characters, uh, made the massive mistake of informing me that she was going away for the weekend to a business conference. And the coolest thing I could think to do was invite ten of my friends over for a Harry Potter marathon <laughs> over a couple of beers. <laughs> so I, uh, she, made, she made the grave mistake of trusting her own daughter. Um, the next person, uh, interesting to the story here, just really just kind of like a comic relief side character, was my brother. Uh, he and I are about 14 months apart. Don't do the math on that. I don't care about your sex jokes with my parents. I don't want to know. Don't care. Um, he was just about, he was very close in age, and he was like really excited about the possibility of, you know, getting to have a couple beers when, you know, when the mom was away. So he was also in on it. He's like, I'd love to come too. I, I also uh, enjoy the extremely subversive counterculture act of watching Harry Potter films. So he joined, uh, he joined, and he was in. And then in a, what can only be described as a treacherous twist of fate, uh, the other two characters in this story are a neighbor I have never spoken to and will never speak to, and the, the aunt, my aunt, my mother's sister, who lives in Chicago and has an almost Victorian passion for gossip. <laughs> 2011 was an incredible thing. Like, what, what really, what happened next year was just one of the wildest times of my life. In that, I discovered Twitter. Um... And it was also a time in which, in which I just started drinking, which um, for those of you who started drinking before Twitter, excellent decision. Strong. Strong decision. Um, so what I, had, uh, what I had planned to do, as I said, was basically just have like a, a little, you know, like gathering of the nerds um, with, with, I must add, um, members of my Quidditch team, of which I was a captain. <laughs> 
I mean, at least I held a position of leadership. Am I right? Am I right? I was the dungeoness, or whatever the word would be. So, uh, and yet I still, like, I look down on Game of Thrones fans. <laughs> you fucking nerds. <laughs> to this day. Um, dun- Dungeon of Thrones? Something like that. So, we, uh, I put together this party, and the next large mistake that I made, everybody in this story made an important mistake, uh, the large mistake that I made was making um, a public Facebook event for this party. Um, you didn't have an option to make it private back then. They have since, Facebook has since learned from their mistakes, thankfully. Um, so I made a public Facebook event. It was 10 people RSVP'd. And then in the weeks that followed, the buildup started coming. Like, I made it, you know, like a month out because I'm a fucking dork. I don't know how. I don't know how. But it was the, the days passed. And I started to say, I was like, oh, shoot, there's like 20 RSVPs. More than this show tonight has, by the way. <laughs> so I was doing pretty good. Uh, and I was like, wow, you know, I really, like, I should do something like, I should be a good hostess. And I took the skills, the Martha Stewart skills that my mother had bestowed upon me, and immediately started Googling creative jello shot recipes. I put together a beautiful, stunning platter of jello shots in orange slices, okay? Put that on your fucking Pinterest board. They were stunning, multicolored. It was outrageous. And so I started, I found that, I was like, this is awesome. My 10 friends will be so impressed. So uh, as the day starts getting closer and I start seeing like people from high school that like like a lot of people from the graduating class of Simi Valley High School 2010 hashtag send tenures um, had had started RSVPing and I was like this could be cool like this would be nice I haven't seen these people since uh, since graduation night for the most part in which I gave an incredible speech which if you've listened to the show in the past you've already heard about so I was like they're gonna think I'm cool so I was really excited and then. Um, before I tell you what happens next, because I like to, uh, I like a good dramatic pause, we'll bring up our next storyteller, because fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, your next, uh, next comedian storyteller coming to the stage is almost a moth Grand Slam champ by a tenth of a point, which to me is way more interesting than winning the show. Uh, she is a badass bitch. You've seen her at the Moth, UCB. Put your hands together for Jenny Tao. I'm really glad I can't see anyone's faces right now. Appreciate that. No, you're beautiful. <laughs> um, all right. So... I've always been a pretty vengeful person. Like, when I was younger, I really liked when people screwed me over because I knew that I could fuck them back, like, ten times worse. And, and it wasn't that I would physically assault anyone. No, I would just fuck with your life. And so I remember in high school, I was really good friends with this girl named Jane. Um, I think the reason why Jane and I were so close was because we were both the only child of um, first-generation immigrant parents. Um, We were two of the oldest girls in our class, and we both had a penchant for drinking vodka out of plastic bottles. Um, So while I love Jane, most of the girls in my high school hated her because she had a tendency to go after whatever she wanted and whoever she wanted, which earned her the nickname Blowjob Jane. (laughs) Um, So after we graduated high school uh, Jane and I ended up going to Rutgers University together And it was there where we decided That we wanted to take (laughs) Our juicy couture tank tops And our roughly skirts And our bedazzled uh, platform foam sandals To a more (laughs) tropical locale 
Uh, specifically, this tropical locale was Acapulco, Mexico. And even more specific, it was like MTV Spring Break 2005 mode. And just as a reference point, the hit song that played the entire time we were there was Candy Shop by 50 Cent. <laughs> so <laughs> we went to Acapulco, and I remember the only thing hotter than the weather when we landed in Acapulco were these West Point cadets that were staying in our hotel. So we had met these West Point cadets um, the first night we got there, and instantly I hit it off with this cadet named Greg. Now, to say that Greg was the hottest guy I'd ever seen in my 19 years of existence at that time is a wild understatement. I mean, this guy looked like a fucking Adonis, like Nick Lachey at peak Nick Lachey years. So like the 98 degrees years or like the newlywed years. And Greg even came complete with like that shitty chain link bicep tattoo. So I was like, this is my man right here. <laughs> um, so Greg and I hit it off right away. And that night, we got really hammered, and I remember helping all 206-foot pounds of him down the stairs, and he was so hammered that he asked me to marry him, and he gave me his West Point class ring, you know, as the engagement ring. Now, I'm 31 now. So I'm 31 now, and I'm well aware that drunk emotions are not real emotions, but at 19, I was like holy shit, that is my soulmate right there. So, so you know, so we're married now. And, um, and this is like day two of spring break. And we're really enjoying ourselves. You know, we develop this thing where we hang out every day and we go to dinner together. And we come up with this thing called um, happy hour, which is basically around two o'clock. Again, we would get hammered because, you know, we're children. Um, we got hammered and we would go up to one of our rooms and have really gross, drunk, young people sex. <laughs> um, and so, you know, this continued for the first few days of vacation. And um, on the third day, around 2 o'clock, you know, around happy hour time, <laughs> I see him sitting on the beach with his friends. So, you know, I walk up to him seductively, walk up behind him, and I run my hand down his bronze chest, and I'm like, do you want to go upstairs? He doesn't really look at me. And he takes a drag of his cigarette, and he goes... Not right now. All right, that's cool. I'm a little taken back by it, but I want to be a good wife. So I'm like, you know, probably just wants to chill with his friends. It's cool, it's cool. I'll see him later at dinner. So time passes, and I don't hear from Greg. And we all go to dinner, and he still doesn't show up. So again, wanting to be the good wife that I am, I decided to check on him, and I call his room, because we are in Acapulco, after all, and Montezuma's revenge is a bitch. So I, I called his room, and as soon as um, it rings, a woman answers the phone. And as soon as she hears my voice, she hangs up. So I'm like, all right, well, I've been drinking some tequila. Maybe I just dialed the wrong number. So I called again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And it just keeps ringing and ringing until finally it stops completely. So I'm freaking out a little bit still, but, you know, I want to be chill. We're on spring break. <laughs> so I pull it together and go back to the table and rejoin my friends. Um, about 20 minutes later, I see Greg walking into the restaurant, and I see a woman trailing behind him. And as she gets closer, I realize that it's Jane, and she's wearing his sweatpants and the West Point t-shirt that I slept in last night. <laughs> So they walk in together. Neither one of them look at me. 
And Greg pulls up a chair and sits down, and Jane just automatically climbs into his lap, and she's like playing with her, playing with his hair, and being like, "Oh, you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes." Blah blah. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." So I, I see this, and I'm trying so hard to keep it together, but I'm 19, and emotions are running high. So I make up some excuse about how I need to get something from a room, and I go up and I call my mom and I cry. <laughs> so obviously, I didn't go out that night because um, I was crying in my room. Um, but the, early the next morning, I hear Jane quietly trying to come back into our room, and I just bolt out of bed, and I look her dead in the eye. I was like, Jane, what the fuck? You were supposed to be my friend. I defended you all these years when people talk shit about you. And she pauses for a second, and she looks me dead in the eye the way that only a true sociopath can do. And she says... It's not my fault that Greg wanted me and I wanted him too. <laughs> Besides, the only person in the world who has your back is yourself. I had no response to that. But deep inside, all I could think was, oh, bitch, you're going to get it so bad. So I stew on my hate for her for an entire year, <laughs> just plotting, just waiting for this perfect opportunity to get back at her. And finally, a year later, the perfect opportunity did present itself in the form of the dirty.com. So, okay, someone gasps. Someone knows who this is, what the dirty.com is. Um, if you don't know, it is like an actual garbage website. And um, I would say it's the equivalent of the burn book from Mean Girls, but anyone can submit any kind of gossip that they want. So I decided that I'm going to put her on blast. I'm going to get her on the dirty. So I go on Jane's MySpace page. And I look for, like, the least attractive picture ever, which is, of course, like, her in her, like, string Burberry bikini with her gut hanging out and, like, some white girl wasted face. And so I submit that picture, and I also submit it with a caption using, like, lazy internet English. And I say something like, what did I say? I was like, don't trust this bitch. She will fuck you over for bottle service, and then she will suck off your boyfriend because she's blowjob Jane after all. And so after I submit that, I'm, I have a lot of balls now, you know? So I was like, I'm going to take this another step further. i got to make sure she knows. So I call our mutual friend, Kim, and I tell her, I was like, oh, my God, Kim. This website, thedirty.com, is so popular in California, and you need to let Jane know that she's on there. <laughs> now, I wish I could have seen Jane's reaction when Kim told her. But I just remember the next day, all of Jane's social media websites went down, and she took out the, um, the Yahoo Photos link in her AIM profile. And it's funny because, you know, now at 19, I remember being so angry that that was the only thing that happened. Like, I wanted more dire consequences to come out that post. Like, I wanted it to fuck up her life. Um, but, but now at 31, you know, I'm actually kind of glad I didn't fuck up her life. Um, and the last I heard, she's gainfully employed with a kid now. But as the saying goes, the universe works in mysterious ways, right? Well, less than 48 hours after my post went up, someone else submitted a video of Jane, like, writing on some guido in the club with commentary. So, I guess the moral of the story is... It's true. The only person in the world who has her back is yourself, but we should all rest assured at night knowing that there's someone on the internet who hates your nemesis as much as you do, too. (laughs) (laughs) 
Chivalry. I, I believe I was I was uh, about to get into exciting trouble. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's about where it was. Um, Twitter has always felt like a secret to me. Um, not really a good or bad secret, but if you ask me if I have a Twitter, I will say I don't have a Twitter. Um, it's sort of, and I, I even hate to make this joke because I really hate, like, crass innuendo, but... Twitter is really, truly, like, always felt like masturbation in that as soon as I discovered it, I wanted to do it constantly and tell no one. Uh, still going strong. Still tweeting hard all these years later. Um, so uh, I think at the point in the story we were at was that uh, Twitter was about to destroy my life, I thought. Um, oh, an alarm. That's fun. Um, I... Uh, I was at a point where I was like, okay, well, I think I've kind of got a handle on this whole internet thing. Like, I know what I'm about. I can do it. Uh, I'm, I'm 19 years old, and I can do what I want. So at this point in the story, um, I had believed that uh, maybe, like, whoo, 20 people would be showing up to my house. It is not an understatement to say that no less than... 80 members of the graduating class of Simi Valley High School, hashtag send tenures, arrived at my house that night in droves. They were just like waves, waves, waves. And at the time, I was still an extrovert. I hadn't been like demolished by the world. So I was thrilled. I was like, yes, oh my God. And, and my brother was freaking out too. He was like, wow, this is so cool. Um, he was just, he was over the, over the moon. And so we were both, we both kind of had that moment like, are we cool tonight? <laughs> awesome. So we were stoked. Um, and it was interesting because it wasn't, it wasn't my usual crowd. What, what really thrilled me about it was, was like, holy shit, like there's popular kids here. Like, dang. Like these are kids who like could have gotten pregnant but didn't. It was, it was like the smart hots. It was like the AP hotties. Um, it was really, it was a treat. So I was just really just stars in my eyes. And then following the popular smarts, uh, the popular, popular hots was of course the football team who, you know, who would like suppress their need to be with smart people but still thought they were hot and so wanted to make comments about their bodies. Uh, and then there was, of course, the stoners in training. So they wanted to be at the party and be seen acting separate from the popular kids in the football team, but they still wanted to be at the party. So it was like, just, it was a madhouse. Kids were like freaking out. The cops were breakdancing. I don't know, like I ran outside and just smoked the first thing someone handed to me. Thought it was weed. It was just a swisher. Um, so I was like, I was like, wow. Uh, I was really just living life. So freaking out. Um, and then, uh, and then I, I don't know at this point if it was like anxiety was kicking in or if I was just, just kind of like, you know, joie de vivre, like living in the moment. But somebody brought out both Dr. Pepper and vodka, and I had four of those in a row. And I was like, I can take it. I was, of course, not familiar with, uh, with the concept of drinking heavily yet and the concept that you don't mix jello shots and actual shots uh, if you want to remain standing. So, so, um, I, I very quickly drank them, and uh, I, of course, as I, you know, still to this day, am often seen, have my phone in my hand, and I tweeted what is possibly the bravest statement uh, I've ever made, I think, to this day, which was, I've never been this drunk before. <laughs> So the exciting thing about having 80 demi-teens 
uh, trailing into and out of your house and spilling out onto the lawn is that it attracts a ton of attention, which was delightful for me and not super fly for my neighbors. Um, So Simi Valley is a very sleepy town. And how you know this is that uh, there is always parking in Simi Valley. (laughs) Always. Um, So the neighbors uh, apparently gave my mom a little shout, said like, hey, just so you know, don't want to be like a busy... Yeah, you fucking do. <laughs> Just want to let you know, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of kids like coming in and out of your house this weekend. Just want to give you a ring as your close personal neighbor. Like we've never spoken. What did I do to you? What did I do to you? So this was all happening. I don't know this. Um, and one one other crucial piece of information that I did not know was that my mother's sister follows me on Twitter. In 2011, (laughs) it wasn't even a thing yet. It wasn't even a means of making it a career. Um, I mean, I guess there is the parallel there in masturbation. If you get really good at it, you can make a career out of it. So a lot of just, there's a lot to unpack here in this story. A lot of of elements in play. So my brother and I were having the time of our lives. I was like, holy shit, like I actually feel cool. This is like, this is incredible. Like, talking to the popular kids, and they're not saying stupid things. The football team is all here drinking like animals because they are animals. Somebody brought a keg into my home. I was like, I couldn't believe it. We were firmly upper middle class. I had never seen a keg in my life. (laughs) So that was just stunning to me. Uh, And, you know, it it was having a great time. And then everybody trails out anybody who wanted to stay anybody who had drank too who drank too much i was very fastidious about it i said you can sleep on the couch i made a pancake breakfast in the morning <laughs> pancake breakfast for those who stayed it's just the type of gal i am and yet no one's in love with me i don't get it i am thank you baby see me after the show see me after class said sexy mrs frizzle <laughs> Uh, so I was, uh, so I was like, I was really just, I was doing it responsibly, and the best thing I think that uh, that came out of it, so I thought, so I was trying to be very clever about it, was that uh, my brother and I, in a rare truce, cleaned up the entire house beforehand, and in preparation, emptied our recycling bins so that we could take what I expected would be the huge payday of twenty beer cans, and instead was something akin to like two hundred fifty beer cans. Uh, and put them all in giant trash bags, and then I drove them down to uh, to the city's recycling center and got like fifteen bucks. So I was pretty stoked about that. I was like, "That's like that's a couple of McDonald's meals. I like this proposition. I can make money off parties." Um, so I I was just I was just stoked overall, and I felt I was handling it very maturely, very um very much like a home alone situation. So uh, I was often home alone. I, so I was like, okay, cool, I've done this the right way. My mom got home, and my brother and I, again, had the rare truce in order to team, we'd team up and clean the whole house. We both had a great time, so we were feeling great. My mom and I have an interesting thing in common, which is that when we're mad, we will sit on it until there's an appropriately dramatic moment to let it go. <laughs> I know you may not see that about me, but uh, it's true. So I am, <laughs> I remember I'm literally just taking out the trash for my mom. This is several days have passed. 
after she's gotten back from her trip, I asked her about her trip. And then, then she's washing the dishes, doesn't even look up, and says, so how was the party? I think I, this is probably, this is, like, I felt like the, the party was the coolest thing I achieved. This is the coolest thing I've achieved. I just looked at her and I said, it was great. Walked out. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That, like, that changed my life. That whole moment there, that was, like, that was the first time that I realized that I could be an equal with my mother. It was insane. Things were never the same after that. It was in a good way. Like, we know each other as people now. It's delightful. Um, I was just, I was just, I was like, wow, I can stick up for myself. It's incredible. Um, so I was really, I was just, like, fuck this entirely, <laughs> walked into the bathroom and then sat down after like coolly addressing my own mother and was like, oh my God, what am I going to do without this? Okay, I'm like, well, how do we game plan? And I didn't, you know, I didn't have my phone in the bathroom because it wasn't 2016 or 2017. So I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, I got to like protect Tom in this. My brother I was like, how am I going to do this? And so I just went out and was just like, need any more help with the dishes? <laughs> what a little ham. So, uh, so at that point, uh, basically, she, uh, she sat me down, um, short of outright smacking me, said a lot, made a lot of really good points that to this day I think about, which she was like, she made the most reasonable, reasonable economic, conservative mom argument, which is that she's like, if any of those kids had driven home drunk and gotten a DUI, guess who has the deepest pockets and would have to pay for it? And I was like, mm, you are very wealthy, mom. And so, <laughs> So I was like, damn, she, she hit me with the economic agreement. I was like, okay, all right, argument. I was like, all right, all right, I got you. I understand. What I did was wrong. And I was like, and, I, and I, she like sat my brother and I down on the stairs. And I remember talking about this very clearly. Um, so she was like, so you're grounded. And I was like, okay. She's like, for the rest of the summer. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Uh, that uh, nowadays that would have been a great punishment. I love staying at home alone. I can watch Firefly, I can make myself a penicillin. It's wonderful. It's a treat. It's a treat. Um, so I don't know. So n- at the time, though, it just seemed like absolute terror. So um, the fun thing once she sat me down was like, okay, so here's how I know. Uh, first of all, she's like, I got you on two counts here. She's like playing the good cop and the bad cop because she's offering me reasons why like what I did was legitimately harmful to people beyond herself. But then she's also like, here's how I got you. So she points out, she says, first of all, uh, got a call from the neighbor that said that people were going in and out of the house. And I was like, not her business. That's not valid evidence. Throw it out. Uh, She says, second of all... The jury must not recognize the evidence. Uh, second of all, uh, she says, your aunt uh, actually pointed out to me that you tweeted, I've never been this drunk before. <laughs> so I feel like she got me there. <laughs> Red-handed, that is my own, uh, that's my own admission. I mean, honestly, like, I'm surprised I haven't tweeted that this week. Um, <laughs> So, I don't know. I, I think she, she handled it quite fairly overall. I feel like maybe a full summer was a bit much. One solstice to another seems like, like a, little bit, a little bit extra. But she was good about it for the most part. Regardless, uh, she asked me point blank. She's like, do you regret doing this? And I said, of course. By which I naturally meant, do I regret doing this right now? Yes, because I didn't have the proper supplies to prepare. This party could have been so much bigger. You guys, this could have been like 
penthouse. This could have been like all of Simi Valley's youths. I just it could have been we could have been doing heroin at this party. That's that city has a heroin problem now, so it's especially funny if you're from there. But um, adorable, adorable for a sleepy middle class town to have a heroin problem. Charming. Anytime the thing is when it comes to my hometown, and I think everyone else feels the same. Like whenever you hear, uh, whenever you want to talk shit on your hometown, it's okay. Whenever anyone else talks about talks shit on your hometown, you're like, you know what? It's good for small businesses. Okay, it's a valid place to raise a family. Um, but then anytime I hear news that Simi Valley's on fire, I'm like, yes! <laughs> I just, I take so much joy from it. Um, it really is. And they, I heard they had a heroin problem. I was like, nice. Uh, that just, that just kills me. Uh, I know John, the theater manager, is just waiting for me to tip this over as I usually do. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Overall, it was, it was truly just an insane night. Um, so glad I did it. Learned a lot about myself. But that was a secret that I don't, I don't know how I thought I was going to get away with that one. And yet Twitter still feels that way to me. I still, feel, I still feel like anything that I tweet didn't really happen. I don't have a Twitter, for those of you who don't know. Um, I've never, never been on Twitter in my life. I, I don't intend to start a Twitter. Um, I don't know what a tweet is. I don't know that I want to know what a tweet is. But I can say... I don't have a Twitter and I never will. <laughs> Coming next to the stage is going to be uh, someone who I think will charm you, delight you. Um, she herself is hilarious. Uh, I actually, when I was looking up more information on her, found out that she just headlined at the comedy store. So put your goddamn hands together for Courtney Rundown. <laughs> Hi, guys. This is nice. This is ni- oh wow, I can't see you at all. <laughs> it's even nicer. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a stand-up comic and um, but I have a secret. I'm a secret blogger. Um, and it's really just a secret because nobody reads my blog. <laughs> I've tried. I, I just I don't know how. So I actually dug through my blogs when Christiana invited me to come and um, read and uh, and I found some, I found a big secret one. So I'm really excited to share it with a room full of strangers. Yes. The good thing about growing up in Reno for my best friend, Brie, was that no one was classy enough to know that Brie was a cheese. So she never got made fun of because of her name, the most obvious funny thing about her. She got picked on for having braces. <clears throat> we met in the darkest level of Dante's Inferno. Sparks Middle School. Oh. I turned around and I saw the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen in person. Running down the hall and crying, I threw on my invisible superwoman cape and chased after her. Brie looked like a mix between Marilyn Monroe and Bridget Moynihan. Oh. Uh, her, her lips were really full. She had a D cup by the time she was in seventh grade. Um, and she had one of those perfect moles in the perfect place. Yeah. Um, the only thing that was shittier was that she was actually more beautiful when she cried. Like, how do you pull that off? Um, <clears throat> I was a year ahead of her. 
Uh, she was too voluptuous, too pretty, and too smart for Sparks Middle School. I vowed to protect her from harm, and it wasn't long before I was completely obsessed with her. Uh, I had to constantly fight a strong inclination to stare at her face all of the time um, and, um, and, and to kiss her mouth. Um, and I'm not talking about a peck, I'm talking about a full-on sloppy makeout sesh, uh, which was weird because I was totally into boys. Yeah. Uh, Bree's goal in life was to be Trey chic. Mm-hmm. She wanted to move to Paris and start a clothing line called Trey chic. Yeah. We designed all the time. I invented the sideways zipper ankle boot that was going to rock the fashion world. The only thing she talked about more than Paris was her boyfriend, George Michael. Yes. That George Michael. He was her pretend boyfriend, and I completely fucking hated him. With the passion of a thousand burning sons and daughters. It was 1986. We had just decided to go goth. I was a freshman, and Bree was still in eighth grade, but we had already conned our parents into letting us go to an underage goth nightclub the week before, where we saw two girls kiss. The next weekend, Bree and I were staying at her dad's horse ranch. Bree decided we were going to take our longest horseback ride to date. As she put the saddle on her horse, she turned around and grinned at me and said, Are you sure you're ready for this? You're not going to be able to walk for days. And then she winked at me. A lightning bolt shot down to my taco. I squeezed my legs together and practically came. There was no way I could continue denying that I wanted to be so much more than just friends with Bree. Then we went on a four-hour horseback ride, which basically consisted of her fantasizing about Paris and George Michael while I dry-humped my saddle the entire time. (laughs) We got back and went swimming. We always swam after a ride. This was normal. What was not normal was the fact that this time Brie ripped off all of her clothes and declared, I like to swim naked when no one's home. (laughs) Yes, she was standing naked in front of me. Yes, I knew right there and then I was a lesbian. Yes, I was naked in 30 seconds. Her breasts floated in the water. My breasts would never even think about floating. I couldn't stop staring at them. I wanted to bury my face in them and live there forever. She swam and floated comfortably, and I stared at her awkwardly and squeezed my legs together. (laughs) Until she finally said, not making this up, I want to show you something in my bedroom. It's a secret. (sighs) We wrapped towels around our naked bodies and ran into her bedroom, and she turned on the TV. And there he was. George fucking Michael. She asked me to get in bed with her, which wasn't weird at all because we did everything in bed while watching George Michael videos. Then she threw a pillow at me. Oh, man. There was no way this was going where I thought it was until she told me to put it between my legs. Mm -hmm. She pulled up on the pillow and started to grind it. 
She said, I like to do this and pretend like the pillow's George Michael. (laughs) We both came while watching George Michael. (laughs) Do the jitterbug in dolphin shorts. Yes, the irony is thick, isn't it, kids? There was no kissing, no licking, no finger banging, but there was an open window, and by God... I was going to climb into that open window and back out of it and then in it and then sideways on it and anything I could do to that window. The next Friday night, we went back to the goth nightclub. We danced and smoked, but what I saw in the bathroom changed my life forever. There was the prettiest goth girl. The prettiest. She was... She was beyond très chic. She was... She was beyond Paris. She was beyond George Michael. And she was full on fucking another girl in the bathroom stall next to me. I went out to the dance floor and grabbed Brie. And I literally pointed at the stall and said, Trey Chic. <laughs> I really put it on the line. She watched for several minutes, and then she whispered to me, bisexuality is very common in Paris. (laughs) Why, yes, Brie, it is. (laughs) So I was also not wearing deodorant, but I didn't bring that shit up, did I? (laughs) And with that, we planned to practice bisexuality when we got home that night. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, we rushed right into my bedroom. Brie was concerned with practicing bisexuality correctly. Um, and she decided that we should do it in a bath with candles. Lots and lots of candles. I drew a bath. Courtney rule number 35. Whenever you can say something fancy like, I drew a bath, do so. <laughs> I put candles all over my boombox that was as high as a small table. <laughs> I was ready. I had made not one but two mixtapes specifically for this night if it ever happened. And uh, yeah, I did have a double tape deck, of course. I mean, I was awesome. The first song was Somebody by Depeche Mode. (laughs) If you don't know it, Spotify it. Tonight, now, forever. My pages stuck together. Jesus Christ. That was long. You guys okay? You still with me? (laughs) Fuck. I think I had a dream. Okay. Brie was there. Uh, The bathroom was transformed into a lesbian paradise. The bath was steaming, the candles glowing. We took all of our clothes off and stared at each other. She was the most beautiful human I'd ever seen. Every curve was perfection. She wasn't a girl. She was a woman. And there I stood, not a curve in sight. And my incredibly small and perky breasts were so high, they were practically around my neck. I just wish they would calm the fuck down. We got in the bath and sat cross-legged, staring in each other's eyes. Then she leaned toward me, lips slightly open, 
everything was in slow motion, but it was going way too fast. I wanted the night to last forever. I was trying to stay in the moment, but it was so sensual and such a dream come true that my manic brain wanted to schedule at least three more play dates in pen. This couldn't be the only time. The universe couldn't possibly give me something this wonderful and take it away. When her lips touched mine, electricity ran through my body. We kissed and heavily petted each other until the water was cold. Then I took her to bed and fucked the shit out of her. No. I didn't. I made love to her, but is that the stupid... Can we come up with another term? I made love to her. Like, what the fuck? I just... Seriously, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Um, comparing it to the one time... I had sex with a guy. It was like comparing Katy Perry to Mozart. <laughs> I made love to her. That's what I did. All the pieces fit. After that night, I thought we were girlfriend, girlfriend, and would be together forever. But the next Friday night, I started busting out my moves, and she stopped me before I even began. She stood up and said very firmly, I'm not gay, I like men. I would have future, future sexual encounters with women, but none, and I mean none, would ever compare to Brie. Thankfully, I found a perfect replacement for Brie a few months later named Cocaine. But that's an entirely different love story, and there was nothing secret about that one. Thanks, you guys. So a fun thing about uh, living in Los Angeles, um, other than, I mean, other than the fact that, like, on average, everyone's, like, a seven at least. Uh, like, I, like, I'm a nine in Simi Valley, but um, here it's different. You really have to, re- you have to really work for it. Um, it looks like, uh, it looks like uh, our last speaker, who I was really excited to have on specifically because she's a Muslim and would bring, like, a, an, actually, like, an interesting perspective to this, is currently stuff, stuck in traffic at LAX, and who, I mean, for all we know, she's going to get stopped. So, let's, oh. let's, I mean, don't, oh, it's going to happen. Like, fucking, this world is bullshit. Let me get into that, like, Fiona Apple. This world is bullshit. Like, let me get into that. Um, but, okay, so, let's at least agree. The future looks bleak. <laughs> However... I see, like, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I recently went to emo night. Um, emo Woo! night. Uh, a couple of Fallout Boy fans in the audience. See you. Um, but I didn't actually get in, which means that I waited in line from 9.30 p.m. to midnight for a street dog. That's tight. Um, so that's how, that's how long the line is for emo night, which to me it still feels strange because whenever I think about it, they treat it as a throwback night, but I'm like... But that just happened. Like, 2005 isn't really that far ago, at least in my mind. Um, I don't know. I, it seems more like something that has not yet died, more than a throwback night. So, I don't know. But anyway, point here being, the future looks bleak until, until, just hang in there, guys. Because in 2035, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies is going to come on in a club and a bunch of 40-year-olds are going to lose their fucking minds. 
And you guys are going to be there and see that. And you're all going to be participating in that. I don't know why we're in a club in our 40s. Maybe our lives are that sad. But it'll be a moment <laughs> of unifying freedom. It'll be like like Steve Carell's sadder movies. We'll have a good time. Um, it'll be sad but freeing, but not too sad. And there's like kind of an uplifting ending for a moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, as I said, world equals bullshit. Um <laughs> I think that's that's what I have written in my notes here. World world equals bullshit. Future equals bleak. Um, yeah. Okay. We'll do one more little good lie, bad lie. We'll just tie it all together. Good lie. Uh, in the interest of maintaining your job, um, I'm just attracted to men. Truth is, I'm attracted to men and Australians, regardless of gender. Uh, bad lie. Uh, bad lie would be like. Yeah, we're just friends. Friends who collude with one another to dismantle the threat of American democracy! <laughs> so, um, as I like to point out, um, it, I mean, I love, I love that we got this far in the show, honestly. Like, it's kind of nice that we can wrap up again early enough to go home, watch Firefly, um, masturbate, or tweet, whichever one is really your jam. Um, but uh, as I like to say guys um, women are gross men are disgusting you don't have to stay here but you can never go home thank you all for a great show okay we're not done here no alright give me a moment just give me a moment we can play we can play What's been on your mind lately? Anybody Anybody want to just throw out, like, uh, would anybody like to volunteer what's been on their mind if it's specifically with a relationship thing? I'm like, I'm really good at relationships, and I know that because I'm murderously single. Nobody who is, nobody who's in a relationship is good at relationship advice. It's all horseshit. It's kind of like, no matter what your problem is, they have a solution for it. Um, who's here tonight? Kyle, what do you like about your relationship? There's two of them. Yeah! Oh, that's that's actually, that's pretty... You may have a point there. I don't know. I think I think Kyle's got it figured out. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Kyle has two boyfriends. They're both outstanding men. Um, one is called Jacob. One, I believe, is, is called Kenny. I call him Kennifer or Kendall or J.F. Kenny or whatever comes to mind that day. <laughs> Um, But yeah, overall, I think that might be it. Generally, if ever your solution to a problem is add more men, I'm against it. But that's one. That's what I think we could work with. I feel like like in general, like that's an ally situation. Um, And I definitely consider myself an ally. Uh, So I don't, generally my solution to things is like, what if we just got like a ton of girls and hung out in the park with some alcohol? That's not that I've been, I've seen very few situations where that has gone wrong. The last time like a large group of women got together, pretty much all of them were against Trump. So I'm pretty down with that. Um, recently, uh, my company, which I I really truly love working for, had a very strong reaction to us for some reason, to their employees leaving the $8 million conference they put on in favor of going to a free protest. They had a very strong reaction to that. And, you know, to me, I was like, well, it's like, it's the values that the company aspires to. Community, authenticity, tenacity. Um, And so there was just this massive, this massive uproar. They were like, how could you put 
me before we. It's like, how could you come up with that embarrassing aphorism? <laughs> That's so bad. You thought that that was just going to be like, fly and we weren't going to make fun of that? Like, oh boy. You, like, most of the company is under 30. Come on. You're really just putting it out there. And most of the company is trying to be a stand-up comedian, which should have already been, should have already been understood when I said we're under 30. So there was this big uproar and everybody was kind of like, Everyone was kind of up in arms about it, but was afraid to talk about it because, like, mm, if you express your values, your job doesn't always get to be your job anymore. And so I, uh, particularly if, if you're like, I think women are people. Um, so I, so I was very, <laughs> I was very afraid to speak up, but we had this, like, region-wide meeting, um, and we had, we had just had, like, the entire, like, the entire West Coast all got together, and I'm like, we're all pretty, we're, we're all pretty progressive in this. I think, I think I could speak freely. And more and more people started to say like, yeah, like I think it was, you know, I experienced some cognitive dissonance, but I went to the march and I felt good about it. And I was like, you should have, there were so many hot people there. Um, I don't know. That's, that's what I would really, that's, I mean, if I were a bad person, like if I were, if I were like a white man, like I would definitely go to those marches. I would definitely go to those marches to pick up the lades. Um, so I, um, so I got to the point where I was like, I was really building intention and I started realizing like, oh man, like I've really got like some powerful intellectual criticism for this, but I think it's also like important that I keep it on a positive note because I'm still like amongst a company that values positivity and optimism, uh, which is a crazy position for me to be in. But I, um, so I, I, I finally like realized that all the positive and the critical things that could have been said were said. And so I was like, I think the moment's passed, but I still feel like saying something. So I basically pulled a Taylor Swift, which is to say something that is so completely unfightable that everyone agrees with it, and I ultimately say nothing but get a pat on the back. <laughs> so I, I pretty much just said, like, you know what? Whether we went to the march or didn't, I'm proud of us, guys. I think we are in it together. <laughs> Someday, someday I'll break free of the chains of social constructs. Until then, <laughs> until then, I'm going to keep doing this show and telling you guys all my secrets. After parties at Kibitz Room. See you guys next month. Wowie zowie kablow, you guys made it to the end. Thank you very much for listening to another edition of Personally Speaking. We hope to see you next month. Our next live show is Friday, March 10th at the Open Space. We will see you then. In the meantime, if you would like to send us hate mail or love letters or what have you, just send those along to personallyspeakingshow at gmail.com or to our Twitter at It's Personal Now because it is see you guys next month and again be good to each other